It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm glad to see your little face. Uh, little? I've been told that I have a massive <laughs> moon-shaped head. Do not belittle my monstrous visage. It's a Hello, perfect Scott. size for exactly what I need to see on a Friday morning. Yes, this is the Entitled Bander <laughs> podcast. The UBP, the UBP. UBP. The UBP. UBP. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Jules Gill. Yes, I am. Diving into the latest questions, talking points, and whatever else people want us to blabber about um, at the end of the week. So we'll get through as many questions and stuff as we can. It's a big day for video games in regards to the Star Wars mm-hmm. Jedi Survivor game, which released at 5am. I want to quickly talk about this because yep. why don't we do midnight launches anymore every game launches it launches quote unquote at like midday or 5 a.m or whatever you know why you know why, why. On, right, okay think about the practicality of what it's like to actually install a game day mm. one okay so if you don't have a pre-order pre-install sort of thing going on where yes. you can actually get the game ready for launch day one then you are going to spend at least two hours trying to get your game to work. I mean, I've told you this story when I queued up outside of the game in Bristol for Fallout 4. Mm. I got my steelbook copy. I got home at like 1.30 in the morning after I walked back up that bloody long hill. <laughs> and then I put it in. I sat down and it just said, waiting for game to install, verifying. Yes. Two and a half hours installation later, I was like, right, I'm going to bed then. There was literally no point me doing that. That's and I feel that they don't they do it at midnight launches anymore. Because of the fact that they go, cool, you can play it from midnight. Also, here's the day one patch that is 5.6 gigabytes. <laughs> and it's just like, cool, right, well, do it at least at midday so you can pop it on mm. at lunch and then it's done by the time you finish school or work. But they're not respecting the content creator massif because I used to stay up <laughs> until midnight and then play whatever it was, maybe until 3 a.m. and then get a little mm-hmm. cheeky video out in the morning. Can't do that if it's unlocking at 5 a.m. No. No, nope, can't do it, mate. Can't be done, mate. The times they are are changing. <laughs> Literally, they're changing to 5 a.m. But yeah, um, but yeah, Jedi Survivor is out today. Um, I've bought it. I think Josh is getting a hold of it. We'll do nice. some videos and stuff on it in the coming days. Um, hopefully going to aim for a tips and tricks video because I think there's... Apparently the, that combat system is incredible and I kind of want to dive into that and see what the uh, different layers and stuff are. Now, it. you say that, but it was weird because I was watching the IGN review of mm. the um, of the game, mm. and when they were talking about the combat mechanics in it, I don't know if it was just like the gameplay footage choice was wrong, but it looked really kind of like the guy was like Cal was jumping on people, the like, animations he was, like, are weird through them. He was like like hitting them, but they were just kind of like bouncing off their arm. I was like, I was, like it just didn't look very kinetic or fluid. I know I, yeah. that I'm probably wrong because everyone's saying that it's amazing, but when I was watching a, one of the specific lightsaber styles, it just looked like he was taking the piss right. it was just like it looked like somebody um 
I don't know, like just doing like a little robot dance, walking towards <laughs> him, just going like left, right, left, right, sort of thing. I, I thought, like, no. yeah, I thought in the run up to launch that the animations looked really off, and there was something just off about the whole thing. But the reviews, like you said, are really, really high. Yeah. Um, and I kind of read that it just prioritizes responsiveness at all times. So you're sort of cutting out, you can cut animations off to go and do something else. So oh, I like the very anti Dark Souls then. Kinda, yeah. But yeah. in a way, I quite like the idea of prioritizing responsiveness as much as possible, like the direct mm-hmm. opposite of like Red Dead Redemption Two, where it's like you can force him to move, you can force him to dodge out of something or whatever so i yeah i'm very curious how that feels because i think the same as you whenever i look at it being played it doesn't look good um but it has been reviewing really well that's something to be said about um how a game looks versus how it feels mm. to play because there are a few games out there that that honestly they don't look exceptional or engaging but to play them like for me it will always be animal crossing there's right. a good example of that i know that it's not like super gameplay heavy when it comes to like combo or button memorization mm. but watching people play it i'm just kind of like this is boring <laughs> but then when you play it yourself you're like oh i'm actually juggling quite a few different mechanics mm-hmm. all at once trying to figure out where i'm going to go and do all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. whereas so I think that maybe Star Wars Survivor is the new Animal Crossing. Is that basically what you take away from this? <laughs> there is a parallel. That's the Venn diagram. Yeah. Um, but yes, we'll get through as many questions and talk points as possible. First thing from Mr. JC, who just says, it's my wedding day on Saturday. Would oh, love a shout out. Yes. Have an amazing weekend. Well, have an amazing wedding. Have, have a lovely yeah. marriage. I, uh, yeah. Marriage perfectly rated. Not overrated, not underrated. Just perfect. <laughs> Very, very good. I recommend just straight it. down the middle, straight yeah, down yeah. the middle there. Um, I mean, I'll go on the opposite side then. Me and Kerry probably not going to get married. So uh, underrated, overrated, <laughs> you choose, like whatever. I'm a big fan. I uh, Yeah, but massive shout out. Enjoy your, uh, I don't know whereabouts you're from, but it's a long bank holiday weekend in the UK. So enjoy your weekend and marriage things. Nice. Yeah, congratulations. Yes. Next question from Mouse Hand says, hello to the best podcasters ever. Well, thank Aww. you very much. What would Microsoft need to do to write the Xbox ship? I have an, X- I have an Xbox Series S and a PS5. The Series S is used to play online multiplayer games with my PC friends. I play all of my single-player games on the PS5. Can they save this generation? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, mm. what went wrong? What, were the, <laughs> what was the catalyst to where Xbox is now? So mm. if we take a look back at how they've handled their own premiere ips their exclusives mm-hmm. you got the likes of the halos the gears of wars massively underperforming and yep. not being treated with the love and respect they've also done a huge pivot towards uh game pass and streaming focused stuff that's on there mm-hmm. and you start to see a company that maybe doesn't even want to be in the console race anymore nope. i mean they've gone out on record and said that the current state of xbox is disappointing and that maybe shows a glimmer of hope that they would like to save it or it's not in the current place they want it to be. Mm-hmm. But it does seem to be that everything they say versus every move that they make as a company seems to be kind of in direct opposition to one another. It's a weird thing where they, like a few years ago, there was a thing where Phil Spencer, it was when Google Stadia was being talked about and mm-hmm. Phil Spencer was like, I, I'm going to start referring to him as Phil Spender because he keeps he's yep, trying yep. to spend the $70 billion. Um, he's just got a burning a hole in his very large pockets. <laughs> Hey, big spender. And he was trying to, he was talking about, you know, Google Stadia and the advent of cloud gaming and how the future was going to be and whatever. And he was like, our competition is not Sony and Nintendo, it's Amazon and Google. And I think mm-hmm. that they are trying to play that game of like 4D chess. But like at this point, Google Stadia have packed up their chess board and left the entire yep. country or yep. whatever. And it's like I, Amazon Luna is not the thing people are talking about. Like a few people might have Luna subscriptions, a few people might cloud game, but it's not the all encompassing future, which is ironic because the cloud gaming was at the heart of the CMA decision to block the Activision uh, takeover deal. So I just think, for me, it's almost as simple as saying they don't have any games. Um, Because I feel like you were saying about trying to pinpoint the exact pivot, you know, when did they start being so uh, regarded as, you know, they're being behind and whatever. It was kind of like this slow thing across the last generation 
where like they got their first foot wrong, they then stumbled for the entire generation. And a lot mm-hmm. of people just kind of thought, well, you know, they're holding back because the next generation, they'll nail it. And then they just didn't come out the gates with any games. The Series X didn't launch with a single exclusive. Yeah. It's, it's a real strange one as well, because it's like, I feel like Halo alone could have mm. righted the wrongs on this if it was delivered correctly. Mm. I feel like Halo Infinite was just the worst example of one of the biggest IPs being treated so poorly. It mm. felt amateurish across the yeah. board to take a uh, beloved character like Master Chief, make a campaign that was felt so aimless in uh, in yeah. areas and like i really enjoyed the open world aspect i thought that i'd hate it but i did actually come to enjoy it quite a it's lot cool towards spots, the end. Yeah. but i just did not feel connected to the story it was just like you're meant to be telling me this emotive return of one of the gaming's greatest icons <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're delivering me something that is so generic that i can't even tell you what happened in the plot apart from he went to do the thing <laughs> and the thing died or didn't die he went to mark. a place there was an evil dude and he killed the evil dude. And but, it's like um, the focus they put onto the multiplayer. Great. Mm. Okay, fine. That's one of the biggest like aspects of it. But then they didn't deliver any content for yeah. it. So it's like, boys, what are you doing? I just, you just wait until the game's ready. That's like, kind of my thing because I'm like, to be so stratospherically mismanaged, like, I just, like, yeah, that whole thing where they had to delay Halo for a year when it was like two weeks before launch and it wasn't ready and they still showed it off and everyone went, that's unfinished. And then they went, yeah. oh, actually, yep, it is. Yep, yeah. we'll give you it in another <laughs> Bye, year. Bye, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it was just that weird thing. I, uh, they still are operating in that space that Phil Spender, you know, outlined years ago about they're still trying to go up against this, this bigger assumption of cloud gaming, this bigger assumption of wider service gaming, making Game Pass, making Xbox cloud streaming. They're not that, they don't seem to be that bothered about exclusives or just like, you know, big, big games. Although for me, the way they could save stuff, especially in terms of like word of mouth, is more games like Hi-Fi Rush. And I mean that in terms of the game itself, like it's designed to be finished, it respects your time, it's a really, really fun game, the soundtrack's really fun. Um, But shadow dropping them, like revealing that actually we do have finished games, we do have stuff ready to go um, and making people excited about what what we're going to get this month, what we're going to get next month. Like, yeah. that could be great. Did you see what they said about that game, though, saying mm. that it was actually quite a disappointment sales-wise? It hasn't made the money that everyone thinks that it has. That was and a weird... That, that's a bit of a shame as mm-hmm. well, because it's such a... It was such a unique thing to just have it there, ready mm-hmm. to go, perfectly polished, perfectly playable. No sort of like day one patches and all this other mm-hmm. malarkey that goes on with uh, current day gaming. And it was not well received, like, in terms of sales. It, it's... it's that's the, that's a weird thing because that came from Jeff Grubb as like an insider. He was like, mm. "Oh, it didn't do what they what they wanted it to do or something." But maybe and they then, had a completely misunderstood uh, appeal of how much it was going to make. Like, well, that's the I, thing. I know for a fact that when they talked about the Avengers, like um, this is how much money they wanted mm. the Avengers game to make, and here's how much money that it actually pulled in. It's still a ridiculous amount of money by yeah. anyone else's standards, but because it didn't hit that uh, five hundred million dollar mark that they wanted to hit within the first month, mm. it's considered a failure. So maybe you should take it with a pinch. There's a lot of weird optics. That. Yeah, because like Jeff Grober initially put that out and then Aaron Greenberg from Xbox said that according to all their key metrics, Hi-Fi Rush did succeed and then Tango okay. Gameworks are being expanded. So it seems like it worked internally. It was just the, but then Jeff Grober did a clarification video and just said, look, this is how much it cost without specifics, just saying right. there's a certain amount okay. it cost. It didn't make that back. But then according to Xbox internally, it still was a success. So it's a bit weird. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with that. But I think for me, the approach to what Xbox can mean to the, like, to the industry is capitalizing on Game Pass with big releases every other month and some of them yeah. are shadow drops um, and you, that's how you do it you certainly own enough studios even before the takeover um, you know where's Double Fine's next thing or whoever yeah. like you yeah. know you have games that you could put out and just and then they remind you that, hey by the way you're already paying for it it's already part of your subscription go enjoy yeah. this new thing 
Like, it's, yeah. it's such a strange idea to think that Microsoft doesn't consider them part of the video game market that they actually had a huge hand <laughs> in. They, they still very much are. Mm. And I feel like them trying to deny that they uh, want to be in the current state of the gaming industry, that they want to be playing, like you say, 40 chess with somebody else. Mm. It's just weakening their stance within the current game market yeah. to a point where when they do finally decide that, oh, actually, we do need to keep our core player base and market contained, mm. they'll come back to it and they'll be like, well, you forgot about us. You treated us badly. <laughs> like, there is, and I will state this very clearly, and there probably will be some Xbox fans that will be annoyed about this, there is no reason to own an Xbox right now. I personally feel yeah. like in this current state, that console is the deadest of dead. Like, I cannot think of a single game that I can't play on my PC that came I was going to say, if you have a PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and like, let's face it, like 90% of the world does have uh, a some sort of <laughs> laptop or gaming PC that will be able to run at least half of the games that are on this thing. So that's it's like, true. why do I need this? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the expression that Microsoft is approaching with, where they've gone, oh, we've let lightning out of the bottle here with Game Pass and how creatively expensive if this can be for us as a business model Mm. but then they look at the actual like console itself and be like ah you're a bit of dead weight now aren't you (laughs) so so maybe the idea to get them back on track isn't to think oh let's separate ourselves from game pass or our future models from that big brick that's sitting in the living room Mm -hmm. and thinking how do we tie everything we want game pass to be into that console going forward Mm -hmm. maybe we make it into a portable device maybe we make it that it's basically just a hard drive that allows you to access game pass but you can take it anywhere with you plug it into anything stream it on any device you know what i mean like That's the vibe we need to be moving towards. Make the console work for Game Pass, if that is going to be the model going forward. Don't abandon it, though. Yeah. They've said that they, um, the next thing they were working on was the uh, Xbox Keystone, which is like their name of like a USB streaming dongle thing that would let you have Game Pass anywhere or Xbox Cloud streaming anywhere. I mean, yeah, I've got an Xbox Series X and like you kind of buy them. I mean, I, I don't necessarily regret it. I just kind of wish I'd seen something on it that took full advantage of it. That's ten- yeah. what I tend to go back to. And whenever I talk to other like friends and relatives about owning, because they all got a Series Xs, um, you know, they're just like, I don't know why I got this. And it's like, yeah, you kind of have it because Game Pass is incredible as a deal and if you only care about getting some games every month regardless of anything and it's very curated like it's, it is a good selection of games I do think mm-hmm. it's a great deal um, you know if you care about games overall you can just get some but if you want those big titles if you want the bigger reasons to be like well wh- what do I need the Series X for they've never been able to give you something that only runs on a Series X or takes yeah. full advantage of it so I mean, that's like, the weird thing the way to think of it is is the Series X is the console that has the best features but the worst exclusives pretty much yeah pretty much it's like it has the most potential Potential and there's, but there's not yeah. a single thing in there that could take full advantage of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I did a video the other day about, you know, because Microsoft said they were upset with the um, Xbox division, at least according again to Jeff Grubb. Um, I did a whole thing about that, about the state of Xbox, the mm-hmm. trajectory they were on, how much people used to love the 360 and how much they've fallen off across the 2010s and just not been able to reclaim it. I think there's always a part of people that want Xbox to succeed if you were there at the beginning, um, but they're just, they're just doing weird business moves at the minute. They're doing weird sort of approaches to the industry. Um, Yeah, I mean, like trying to buy out all of the uh, competing publishers and developers is, I don't know, man, it doesn't feel good, does it? It Mm. feels very much like we've dropped back into what EA used to do back in the early 2000s, where it just bought up every single developer or publisher that had uh, any sort of interesting ideas, put them all under its banner and then closed (laughs) them down as soon as they asset stripped them. Mm -hmm. And I just want, I want to live in a world where there is competition in the gaming market when it comes to consoles and choice, because say that they did drop out, say that they never produced another console again and they Mm -hmm. only went into this online thing of apps. We go into that discussion we had a couple of weeks ago about do they block Sony from using Game Pass or do they charge them through the nose? 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It doesn't matter, but at the end Mm. of the day, we the customers are going to be paying the price for it. Quite Mm. literally, we'll see games prices soar because that will be the only avenue to play them on. They'll have to eat up the cost of those Game Pass licenses and we'll have to pay them (laughs) on our games going forward. It all ends up with costing us money if there isn't competition in the market. That's kind of the thing where we're in a really good period with Game Pass at the minute. If you enjoy trying uh, sampling a different amount of games every month because you are getting the best deal. They are, I don't know if they're making an active loss on it. They've never really revealed the specifics of it. Mm. Um, Spencer spent did say that um, Game Pass makes up 15% of their overall revenue um, and he doesn't expect that to get when you think about it but 15 though I mean like it's like over time he was saying the overall amount of revenue could go up but like like, you know he doesn't think that Game Pass would ever make up um, I think Mm. he quoted like he doesn't think it'll ever get to 70 or 80% it'll always be about 15 but their overall amount might go up 15% of something else Um, but he's like the largest set there I think it's it's interesting when you mentioned EA because they've this year come back around to single player stuff like you've Mm -hmm. got Dead Space Remake you've got Jedi Survivor and it's one of those things where they had to go through that whole thing where they tried online services and microtransactions and loot boxes and then at the end just went should we just make some games and maybe people will buy the games and it's like that's all it ever comes back around to like yeah, but maybe, they have to try this, all Maybe they stuff. were just in a Microsoft's diff- difficult second album phase. It's just one of those things where they've tried it all, they got they got it nailed down, and now they're trying something new and not everyone's loving it. Mm-hmm. It may well be that um, just the market dictates that people love familiarity, and mm. we may just see them all settling back down again to have our three or four consoles, and that's going to be it, uh, <laughs> gaming forevermore sort of thing. It, mm-hmm. You know. 
The thing that I think if I would recommend a lot of people go on, I think it's on the official Xbox channel. They did a whole documentary about the first 20 years of Xbox and they're very frank about what they got wrong and what worked and mm. what didn't. They, mm. they talk to all the old devs. Um, some people came across from old Atari and everything and they talk about like those initial years and like what Xbox kind of used to stand for and that idea of like they were the first system with a hard drive. They were the first console that went online um, with like mass multiplayer. Obviously the Dreamcast did it, but like things like that and they used to push for everything, Xbox Live Arcade and all that kind of thing and this feels like that spirit of what that company is is that we should push for all these online yeah. platforms forms and stuff yeah. um, it's just that they don't have the games to back it up um, and so I think that's kind of interesting that they had all these firsts and then for the Xbox One it fell down and then now it continues to fall down mm-hmm. so um, yeah I don't know about saving this generation I don't think they care I don't, I don't think that's the game they're playing um, I don't think they'll ever be able to compete with Nintendo and Xbox. Uh, sorry, and Sony. Um, yeah. But maybe they put out some actual games in the next few years. We know we've got <laughs> Starfield. Nice. So yeah, there's definitely Starfield and Redfall uh, for this year. Um, question from Jack Asbury who says, "What do you both think of the rumors of a new PlayStation handheld that is remote play only? Think, given the success of the Switch and the Steam Deck, it's a massive missed opportunity to not have a powerful PlayStation handheld." Yes. Have you seen this stuff? I have, but aren't we just kind of uh, having the two spectres looming over us of the Vita <laughs> and the, um, what was the other one? Don't the you PSP. speak ill of my beloved PS Vita. I love like, that this, thing. This is the thing. I actually am totally on board with you and think that the Vita may well be one of the greatest handheld the Vita rules ever made. It's, yeah. I, I got myself a super secondhand copy of it for like uh, 30 bones and nice. got like seven games with it as well <laughs> because people were just like, what is this piece of dead tech? Uh-huh. You know what? It runs so well. The, it's um, it, the uh, the control schemes and the, the layout of the uh, the console itself beautiful mm-hmm. so it's just like yeah they can do it the problem is with Sony as we've seen with tons of their other stuff is that they are absolutely bollocks at marketing <laughs> they do not know how to do sell that console well mm, my thing as well with the, with the Vita the thing that shot the they didn't shoot itself in the foot they just chainsawed the foot off was mm-hmm. um, changing the storage capacity they made a first party proprietary storage method so you couldn't use SD cards you had to yeah. buy PS Vita storage stupid, and then it was like stupid, five stupid, times stupid. the price um, if they did that's the thing we're now in a place where people obviously love the Switch and everything um, if they just did another version of the Vita call it something else don't tag it with that name because yeah people don't get it whatever and um, you do a whole new handheld playstation just like a switch or whatever maybe that would work a lot better because one of the things that people didn't like about the psp and the vita was like oh no one wants to play console games on the go well nintendo yeah. proved that completely wrong yeah. so maybe it would fit better now what are the new details about this other handheld device that we've got out? Well, the, that's the thing. The, the, the rumor for it is that it's a, a new PlayStation handheld. The um, assumption is that it will be shaped like the Vita, but it's a remote play only. So it would only work in whatever Wi-Fi. I guess it would be. It would always have to tether to your home console. So whether that's... It just doubles up as a second screen. That's what you can do on your phone right now anyway. Yeah, see, that's not providing a feature that I feel that anyone is asking for. No, same. Like, remote play is something that you tag on to something. It's not what you sell a system for. I don't know why they don't tie it to a mechanic that they've already introduced that is already needs help mm-hmm. because um, the PSVR 2 has obviously uh, just come out and everyone is raving about it, especially mm-hmm. Josh Brown. He absolutely loves it. Um, <laughs> and Ash Millman as well absolutely mm-hmm. loves it. Shout out. But the issue is, is that because it's always a, a, a VR headset, it's got such a small install base compared to the wider market that you've got uh, who have just regular consoles. Mm-hmm. So how do you make that more appealing? Well, you could add more games into it or you could add functionality that crosses over with other consoles or peripherals so why not build this new v2 um we'll just call it instead mm-hmm. of the vitar um around <laughs> that's very the, good uh, uh, thank you very much yeah i charge by the hour um, PlayStation you, v2. 
uh, you could have it so that this uh, controller appears in game whenever you're playing and you could actually use the touchscreen on your touchscreen to do right. other things around it mm. or like have it so that it is um, instead of having to buy those stupidly expensive VR controllers this could act as another thing for a second player mm. to join you in games like it's if you can make it so that it has functionality that adds into the newest bit of tech that is struggling maybe at mm. the moment because of its hefty price tag that's <laughs> how you do it you tie it into that mm -hmm. i also wonder about the amount of people that use remote play in general i've seen quite a few people tweet about it just saying like oh you know if my partner wants to use the tv or the the kids wanted to play something else or whatever you can just like get your system to beam it to the phone and then yeah. just keep playing like i wonder if that just if they've noticed that more people do that than they used to because remote play has been around for like a decade at this point and yeah. um, maybe that just has an uptake and they think they can kind of corner the market on it but i don't see the point of not letting you take your game with you um, no. but maybe they just don't want to commission a bunch of portable games it's, it's an issue as well because you think about the marketing how you would advertise that uh like for a tv spot what would you say like oh so your partner's uh, trying to watch tv and doesn't <laughs> want to share the thing with you and you want to be doing something else how what are you actually trying to say with that mm. oh i don't want to spend time with my partner so i'm going to play video games instead <laughs> and ignore them it's i mean that is what i do I, yeah, but I know I know that's the reality, but you shouldn't be marketing that because right. it's basically just saying like, hey, do you want to not spend quality time together? <laughs> like, I don't know if that would work. I feel like, because if I was a kid and like, you know, my parents want to use the big TV then and I want to play my games. With the big then, light on. With the big light on because they're getting it wrong and it took me 20 <laughs> years to figure it out. Then, you know, maybe they're doing that. And it's, I want, yeah, maybe if you're targeting that demographic of like, well, you yeah. can keep gaming, you don't have to stop. Then you just pick up your remote thing and it continues. I can see that it is like a version of the Switch where you just take mm -hmm. it out the dock and keep playing. Um, it's just weird for me because the Vita was such a the Vita is an almost perfect system and um, it was just so mismarketed and it was so completely addled by all the storage stuff and um, mm -hmm. that I would rather they got that right but I guess that means greenlighting a bunch of portable games and they don't want to do all that again so that's maybe the thing um, yeah it's a tough one yeah. Next question from Pinky. He says, can we have more on the 60 FPS debacle? I used to be Oof. a graphics guy like Josh, but I've been converted to the smooth side by Scott and the PS5 and uh, my PS5. 60 FPS is a deal breaker now. 100% agree, Pinky. You Same. Are. <coughs> my voice is going, but my, my takes are powering through. <laughs> what happened is, is that I too had this revelation fairly recently, actually. Mm-hmm. Because I got myself a brand new gaming rig that can basically just go like unlimited power. Right, right. I was playing these things on like stupid FPS rates, and I went back to uh, 30 FPS because I was playing some old PS2 games, mm. and I was like, ah, this, <clears throat> this is what is going on here? Yes. Why do I feel like I am actually moving in slow motion myself? <laughs> so therefore, 60 FPS is a deal breaker. I think that anything, any time that it dips below, mm -hmm. it feels so foreign now because every game is marketed as having 60 FPS. Mm base it feels strange yeah especially if you go between the two i think if you go and um, you go 60 down to 30 feels horrible if you go mm. 30 to 60 it feels sped up for me if you go 60 to 120 it doesn't feel that different yeah uh, I can, yeah At yeah some i feel like you can kind of like just they're so not negligible unless you're a pro fighting game player or something mm. like where every single sort of frame actually matters mm -hmm. my thing is like my like middle ground is just whatever's a locked frame right if you can give me locked 30 to me that is can be fine i'll get used to it after about 10 minutes or whatever sure. um it's just the dip like it's always the dips in frame rate that you pick up on because you can feel it you can feel it in the controls and the responsiveness yeah. um yeah i i kind of play everything on performance mode now but i hate that i do that because it just means that you're missing out on the stuff that you supposedly bought the systems or the tech for because then you don't have the ray tracing you don't have all the extra all the bells and whistles because it needs to maintain the frame rate i know your do pc you, will be able to do all of it yeah. <laughs> the console's do, do, gone do you, do you think that it was actually like a mistake to ever give players the option 
Like, I hate it personally. Should they have just yeah. locked it in at um, performance mode and just been like, that's it. You, that, like, you don't well, get Well, that was like, it was a weird thing because that's what um, Spidey ended up doing, Spider-Man on PS5, because they launched on uh, performance mode and um, like visuals mode or whatever. And then like, I don't know, a couple months later, there was a performance ray tracing mode where you can do both. And I, I, I forget ah. what, it It does something where they um, get rid of the amount of NPCs walking around New York to free up the rendering. Fair enough. But then, yep. but you would never notice that if that was just what they launched Not with. Not at all. So yeah, for me, it's like, give me the best version based on what the devs think is the best split between the two um but yeah that thing continues to roll on in terms of what people prefer i definitely prioritize responsiveness so it's going to be whatever like feels the best yeah. um question from you done messed up aaron who says good day gentlemen i good hate day. pre-orders that said Whoa. they just announced the armored core six collector's edition and it includes a 19 centimeter mech statue costing 221 dollars am i a sick man if i pre-order this you know what? No, because a giant, a giant <laughs> mech. I'm sorry, but a giant mech is so cool. <laughs> it is. Are you an armored core person? Because I, I've not ever played them. I know what they are, obviously, but I've never, I've never played one. Um, I played the. Uh, oh god, was it armored core two? Back okay. On the PC, way Q? back way. I want to say like 1990. Seven. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe okay. I'm wrong there. But I remember, I remember having some some fond memories with that because my cousin had it. I never owned it. Right. But I just remember the case being so cool. It looked awesome. <laughs> now, back to the concept of pre-ordering. Mm-hmm. I am actually tempted. I'm. Oh. I, 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 I just get get my let me get my thoughts together because I feel like I'm overwhelmed. At the moment. Look, I, look. I'll, I'll 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 set a certain bar here and see it's if you can clear it. It's just Vanquish Two, mate. Let's face it. It's just Vanquish Two. This game. It might. Well, oh God, I wish. I. I mean, yeah. We we'll, we'll talk about the gameplay stuff. To set a bar on pre-orders, I spent thirty English pounds getting the uh, amiibo for the Tears of the Kingdom coming up. That hasn't come yet. Hasn't arrived right. yet. But okay. I was just. I'll just throw money at this because they're all going to be limited edition. And I. I love the look of New Link. So I was okay. like, I want that. And so I think if you're super into something and you have the money and it's not going to mean you can't eat that evening, then yeah, yeah, just do the cool thing. Do the thing that lets you get the cool tat. It's very weird, isn't it? Because they go like, oh, yeah, yeah, the world has been rocked by a global cost of living crisis. And there's <laughs> been uh, like the pandemic. There's been like all sorts of shipping and issues and literal wars. Yeah. Um, but also, hope that you've got 200 quid in your back pocket <laughs> saved up to buy a giant robot toy that you can't <laughs> even play with and will sit there forever. The problem is, I think, that with these pre-orders and collector's editions is... Mm. Um, there is an unwritten rule that the cooler the item that they're asking you to buy before you play the game, the worse the game in question is. Now, I right. actually do hold high hopes for this because From Software do seem to be knocking it out of the park with every title that they touch. I think that a break from Elden Ring, Dark Souls, all of that other stuff to do this sort of like sci-fi version of that mm. will be a great fit for them to return to form. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Let's face it, there have been quite a few dodgy pre-orders that have cost the absolute earth that have ended up being for rather terrible games. And it's basically True. just been like, look at the shiny thing, party with your cash, thank you very much, here's a subpar game. Yeah, I think it depends. for me, I'm always going off how detailed something is. I'm a, I love figures, I love collecting, mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. Some figures with articulation so I can repose them in different weeks and stuff. I love all that stuff. So um, for me, it depends how much detail is in there. For $220, um, I would expect a very premium-looking piece i mean yeah. yeah that's a hell of a lot of money that's i the most i ever spent on a video game collectible i think i've mentioned before but it was the witcher 3's uh, polystone statue of Geralt oh, with yeah. the griffin um that's nicely detailed as long as you don't look at his face too closely and so that's pretty good but um yeah i think in terms of pre-order stuff for me it's always like am i am i genuinely gonna love this am i gonna put it on a shelf yeah. am i gonna you know it's i'm not just gonna throw it to the side after the the launch window kind of thing it is actually genuinely nice to have on a shelf 
it's also like kind of really uh, sad as well when you get like these amazing things. Because I remember the Arkham Knight box. There was like some people got mm. some like massive statues on that. It's like, yeah, oh wow, <laughs> Arkham Knight's gonna be great. Imagine like hating the game that you spent yes. all that money for, and you just look at it and be like, well, I guess the statue's cool. <laughs> or, or like other gamers coming over to your house and be like, oh, you like uh, uh, Arkham Knights, do you? And you'd be like, no, no, really. I did at one just, point. I, I just like I just like the Batman. Like Batman's here. <laughs> Batman's good. Batman's that was. My thing cool. for uh, Forspoken, I still have the Forspoken Steelbook because it came with the regular yeah, game. So when I rough. sold the regular game, I was like, I'm going to keep the Steelbook and maybe in like 50 years time, this will be worth something. Probably won't be. Nope. But like a relic <laughs> you'll, of, have, uh, you'll have to pay someone to take it away. <laughs> the, the, the collection service. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for Armored Core itself, um, the Fires of Rubicon, like, Gameplay looks awesome. It's kind of like just Dark Souls. I mean, the thing is, like, this is coming from someone who's not played Armored Core, so I get that this is mm-hmm, completely blasphemous because mm-hmm. it predates Dark Souls. But to me, it looked a little bit like Souls Combat, but with aerial attacks. I say, and, I tell yeah. you, let, let's let's just save us from ever going down the route of it's the X of Dark Souls <laughs> sort of thing. Let's just say let's say near Automata instead because okay. let's say, there's, there's a lot more crossover there, uh, yes. potato potato, with them because you've got giant mechs floating around. Uh, it's like the beginning opening sequence there. Mm-hmm. There's lots of like uh, sliding around there. I would say. If I were to pitch this game, Del Boy style, coming uh-huh. down there, I see you coming with your wallet all fat, I'd be like, all right, boys, you want to buy this well, game? It's, max, like, it's like Neo Automata, Potato Potato meets Vanquish. I'd have your money. I'd have your <laughs> money right there and then, mate. I'll tell you what it reminded me of, and I think only about five people played this, Zone of the Enders. Oh, it was, um, oh did yeah. I ever play? Yeah. Did I ever play that? That was a beautiful um, game. I was fuming because uh, I have a copy of Silent Hill 2, the limited edition Steelbook 1 um, for the PlayStation 2. Shout. And it came with a, uh, a demo for Zone of the Enders 2 as well in it, I for believe. For 2? Okay. Is, it, is that what it is? I was going to no. say Metal Gear Solid 2 came no, with the original Zone of the Enders. I'm talking absolute bupkiss out of my butt. <laughs> um, I've, I actually have a copy of uh, Zone of the Enders 2, but my, uh, uh, my old dog... Uh, Chewed it up. So I was like, cool, <laughs> wicked. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Old Dog was not a fan yeah, of the Zone no. of the Enders franchise. But um, yeah, stuff like that, mech combat, I feel like is a, an untapped potential in the new age. I think you can do a hell of a lot more with um, the weapon effects and the customization yep. and everything else. And um, Josh apparently is a massive Armored Core guy. So he was playing that when he was a kid. So he's looking forward to it. Final question from Jack Jingle, who says, any good download memories? Excited to go in June for double Metallica. My best memory is meeting my now wife at the festival in 2014. Well, what a lovely oh, little story. Lovely. We started the podcast with somebody's uh, about to get married. Now we're here yeah. ending it. Uh, Just the with... romance pod. What? Yeah, I tell you what, it's lovely. Um, now I've never been to download. I will not. No, never been. I, I think it's because of the fact that I'm kind of not a festival guy. Mm. I, I like going to the Art Tangent Festival and there's a few other sort of like smaller ones that I've been to across the years. Mm-hmm. The Every single time that I bring up Download or Reading, I always get the same look from my group of friends where they look at me and they're just like, oh, like a thousand yard <laughs> stare. You see the war flashbacks hitting. You can right. hear the explosions in their mind. And they're like, it was a long summer sort of thing. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to have flooded. that because it feels like they've left a piece of them behind in those mm-hmm. fields. Like, <laughs> I feel like with with festivals in general, music festivals, because I've, I've done loads of them, but I feel like um, quite a lot of my friends used to say there's a, you have a three festival rule in you. It's like once you've done three, you've kind of you've done it you've kind of had the yeah. feel of a, a festival and then some people realize that they love it and they go over yeah um or they kind of go like i know what that is it's tense it's mud it's being miles away from it's it's um sleeping somewhere that's miles away from the show itself yeah there's or a lot of sleeping faff. at all is usually yeah we're not sleeping at all because i mean if it's download you're right next to the airport so yeah, there's a boeing God. 747 over your head every two <laughs> oh hours so it's like yeah i've done that where it sounds like a plane's about to hit your tent because um, oh, it's no. so loud um but i had a lot of fun with download i am um, for me like the download and sonosphere blur over because mm. um, my favorite 
favourite festival memory is seeing the big four at Sonosphere, like Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax and Slayer. See, um, that's why I would go, because it's mm. once-in-a-lifetime style things like that, where you get to see all of these bands mm -hmm. finally together under one roof, mm -hmm. or no roof, as it were. I'll go with, for my download memory, it'll be Rage Against the Machine. Uh, that was when they came back after the Finsbury Park gig, which I managed to see as well. So I saw them twice in one week, because it was um, when they numbered their song went to number one for Christmas or whatever it oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they did like a charity gig, and then I, I managed to get free tickets to that, and then I was at download the following Saturday, like later in that week, um, and seeing them both in one week was ridiculous, because um, Rage Against the Machine just used to be, or kind of still are, one of the best bands of all time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'd massively back that. Um, but yeah, massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions, talking points, etc. This has been the Entitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. UBP, the UBP. I've been Scott Tailford. That's been Jules Gill. I have indeed. Remember, next Thursday we will be doing the call for questions. Actually, no, we won't, because I'm just <laughs> looking at my, my calendar. <laughs> I am off next Friday. I apologize. He's curdling in advance. However, uh, we will try and record on the Thursday then to look out for either Thursday morning, Wednesday afternoon. We will yes. put out the call for questions. We have gaming, two... film, TV, anything food related, drinks related, whatever. We will answer the questions <laughs> as best we can. Hell yes, we shall. Yeah, there's two bank holidays in a row for the UK. So we've got to try and figure out these things in advance. What but... a shame, eh? What a, what a horrible <laughs> life. Long weekends with Star Wars. Horrific. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the Taliban Podcast. Thank you all very, very much for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Oh. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.